You're listening to The People's Wrestling Podcast with your host, Aiden Bunker. Yes, hello, it is I, Aiden Bunker, back once again to host this week's episode of The People's Wrestling Podcast. I'm joined to my right-hand side by my older brother. All right, jeez. <laughs> older brother, Ali Bunker. Don't have to say older twice. I'm just in case there was any doubt. There's no doubt. Trust me. <laughs> anyway, I'm joined by my brother, Ali Bunker. Ali, how's your week been? Uh, it's alright. Um, I couldn't get out of bed because my back on the other day. I had to pick my dentures up from the uh, from the dentist. Um, had to take some pills, you know, for my various ailments because of my old age. So. Did you get the bus over? Or? No, no, no. I just wandered over it at some point during the day. No <laughs> idea where I am, where I got you. Alright. Fair enough. Well, I'm sounds... king, by the way. Okay. okay. I'm only 31. You can never tell. Slash, very nearly 32. A couple of weeks? No, less. Okay, a week and a bit? I mean, it's literally less than a week. What day is it? It's not less than a week. <laughs> it's on Tuesday. Fucking hell. Oh, because it's the 20th. My own brother cannot remember my birthday. No. It's because it's February. Well, I know. There's a short, short week at the end of yeah. it. Yeah, right, whatever. Um, I look forward to celebrating your birthday in October? Wrong. Uh, someone whose birthday is nowhere near um, <laughs> coming up. This is our third member of the PWP. Matt Bumby. Matt, how's your Back week been? Once again, with ill behaviour. <laughs> <laughs> not ill again, are you? No, I'm not. Okay, just your behaviour. Very tired, aren't you, Matt? I'm very tired. Just because you've got to do a little bit of work late. Now you're knackered. I guess you get up really stupidly early, don't you? Yes. Fair but on. I don't go to bed after 10 o'clock. <laughs> Well, you made you tonight. What the fuck? <laughs> right, crack on. Right, okay. Well, dive right into it, shall we? With Elimination Chamber... dive, you might think. A tope suicida. Yep. You may say. JR wouldn't, because no. he fucking hates it, wouldn't he? No, he, he wouldn't <laughs> say that. Uh, right, with Elimination round, uh, Chamber around the corner, when is it, the week after the next... Something like that. You got to get Super Showdown super out of the way first. Tomorrow, and then Elimination Chamber. I think is the Sunday after the, this well, Sunday. I can't wait to watch that tomorrow. Oh, it's top of my list of things to do. Um, and with the Elimination Chamber around the corner, it got me thinking about how good of a gimmick match that has been for WWE for nearly eighteen years now. When you think about it, that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. So well, not nearly what, 18 years. I guess it is 18 years. Well, the end of 2002. Oh, right, yeah. So, yeah, not quite. Oh, yeah, it was completely a different time. I don't like to think about how old stuff is. <laughs> I know. It's weird. This is a bit weird. Anyway, um, so, yeah, it got me thinking about how good of a gimmick match there's been, how much use they've gotten out of it, how much it's kind of changed, for better or for worse, over over time. Um and then it sparked a thought about other gimmick matches throughout WWE, specifically WWE history. We're not really going to talk about any kind of WCW or TNA stuff. Not worth talking about, mate. No, nah, exactly. Um, Ancient history, that. So, yeah, it got me thinking, what are, what are some of our favourites? So we've had a bit of a discussion going into this, but um going to open oh, it up a bit more. What was that, Matt? I said I haven't had a discussion. 
Well, we had a bit of a discussion earlier about what was to to include and exclude and stuff. Um, So, yeah, I thought we can go through. We've got top 10 gimmick matches. Um, We've got a couple of stats and facts and stuff as well. We'll go through them and just discuss what matches kind of stand out to us as favourites or maybe ones that weren't very good. Um, Whether we think it's worth that gimmick match in particular sticking around in future or if there's one that hasn't been around for a while whether it should come back or not so um let's uh tope through a right into it shall we we shall all right first up because it's quite a broad one it's had a it's got a couple of branches coming off it a few, yeah. we'll start with the ladder match Ooh, one of my faves we'll start with ladder match slash tlc because they'll overlap Anyway, in the discussion, so I thought we'd put them together. Slash money in the bank? Yeah, that was, yeah, I was going to include that as well, mainly because it it's a ladder match. It's a ladder match, yeah. It's just a variation. Um, so, first WWE ladder match. A lot of people assume Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon at WrestleMania 10. Well, no, no, they would no. be wrong. The actual first match was Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels at a house show. It was, yes. And I think they had they had quite a few. As did Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon. They had um, quite a few, especially when preparing for WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Um, but the actual first one was Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels, where they weren't allowed to actually use the ladder as a weapon. No, that was a, a mandate. Um, I think from Dan, it might have been, it might have been from Vince. It may have even been from the arena, the sort of <laughs> health and safety officials at the arena. Uh, not allowed to use the ladder as a weapon. Could you imagine um, a ladder match these days without? That like would you do you reckon the ladder match would still be around if it was just an, an instrument for climbing and not for bashing? I mean, be, uh, people would still come up with creative ways. I I assume to to work it, but it would make it a lot more difficult. Because I'm sure you'd be allowed to jump off yeah, it. You could jump off the ladder. You could use the ladder, but you could not use it as a weapon. So you couldn't yeah, hit someone. It's more creative, not using it as a weapon. Well, yeah, I, I guess I guess it is. Um, it just yeah goes to show you know how much thought had to go into those matches at the very beginning. I mean, so if you're gonna put a, if you're gonna introduce a new type of match with a lot of thought going into it, who who are you gonna pick? Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, right? Even at that stage of their careers. And one of the um, as the ladder match evolved throughout the years, one of the things that we've seen is the introduction of more and more ladders. The first few ladder matches you've seen, they use one, one or two maximum, really. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, if one broke. You were really down to your, your last yeah. ladder. <laughs> um, and they were like, they were the kind of ladders where they were like, um, they had like, the rungs on one side and then there was one side with a lot bigger gaps yeah. between. So they weren't always the the best ladders um, or didn't look the most sturdy. Mm. Um, but yeah, we've definitely seen more and more ladders introduced over the years and we've seen ladders to to an almost unnecessary extent i yeah, think yeah when when you see say like obviously there's more people when you see like money in the bank ladder matches mm. and the whole arena is decked out with about 30 ladders yeah. think, seems what, excessive what could you possibly do with it i know it's an arena or what could you possibly do with this amount of ladders yeah um and we started to see them i think the first time we saw it was or first time i remember seeing it anyway was wrestlemania 23 when jeff hardy jumped off a ladder on top of uh, on top of Edge, who was on a ladder, mm. the first time we saw a ladder break yeah. in terms of like in half. Yeah, like intentionally as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's now something that's become a staple of ladder matches, really. It happens every match. I mean, it's not, it still looks impressive. Every time you see it, you think, oh, that's going to hurt. 
But then um, you kind of expect it. You kind of expect it, yeah. Well, especially when you get a money in the bank match, you see the competitors in it, and then you, I know I do anyway. I look through and go, "Oh, who's going through the ladder then?" Well, that's the, see, that's the best. Well, one of the best things about um, ladder match types as a whole um, is is looking through the roster and trying to match up who you think would be really great in a ladder match. Mm. And oftentimes, you 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 probably get it wrong. Um, I mean, looking back on who was in ladder matches to begin with. I mean, you look at Brett and Shaw and two smaller guys at that time um, compared to, you know, the, the main stars. Um, but then you throw Razor Ramon into the mix. Razor, Razor Ramon is like... 6'6". Six, 6'6", six. Six, six, yeah. He's, what, 250, 260? Yeah. Uh, he's a big guy. Um, and, you know, he's got a lug around his ladder and you've got to try and get a match out of him. And I'm mean, not saying he wasn't a great wrestler. He was, but, um, you know, that's tough to do. Uh, but then we've seen, you know, The Undertaker, Kane in ladder matches big big guys <laughs> trying to work with big show with his own giant ladder yeah trying to work with what you know it's essentially a DIY tool um, to you know put on a really great match and as we all know there are countless examples of really classic ladder slash money in the bank slash TLC matches uh, it's one, in fact it's probably one of the match types which has produced the most often classic match yeah it's always one that I, I personally look forward to um matt we'll start with you what is a not including money in the bank or tlc we'll get to them in a bit um what is one of you, or a couple of your, the matches ladder matches that stand out to you as, as favorites or, or notable so obviously the first one that was uh, at wrestlemania well, the first televised one that was at WrestleMania. Um, another one that sticks out is The Rock versus Triple H at SummerSlam. I love that one. Yeah, Same yeah. arena. I still look at that match as the match that launched those two. Yeah. Like, properly launched them, you know what I mean? Superstardom. Yeah. yeah. I would say especially Triple H. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, The Rock was already on his way there, to be fair. The Rock was undeniable, really. Um, and when when you hear the crowd reaction for when Triple H wins it mm. and JR losing his mind and stuff, JR losing his mind over Triple H in a positive way. Yeah, Who'd have thought? Yeah. Um, yeah, that that one's always uh, one that um, I'll always go back and watch when when I want to watch a good ladder match. I think um, again, we kind of these days we kind of think of ladder matches as a bit of like okay, a bit of high flying, yeah, a bit of a spot fest, you know. Um, but again, Rock Triple H. At no point in their careers have been high flyers, neither of which are small guys. Um, and again, sometimes it, it just points out the fact that you don't have to have all these high spots in these ladder matches to put on a really great match. And I, to be honest, I haven't watched that match back for a long, long time. So I'd be interested to see if it still holds up. The the early ones um, were they were more kind of um, brutal and they were less. Um, for lack of a better term, choreographed. Hmm. Um, and it just looked more kind of spontaneous and it just guys hitting each other with ladders yeah. and not planning super elaborate things. Um, one of the ones, one of the things that I was, was going to mention was how the psychology of a ladder match has changed over the years from uh, a need to climb this ladder to get the belt I need to incapacitate my opponent in order to do that mm-hmm. to what we've said these days is a bit more of let's do moves with the ladder yeah 
um, and not focus. I feel like some of the focus on climbing has been lost. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, don't get me started on yeah, the way wrestlers think... climb ladders. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that gets lost because there's so many people in it. I think if you've got two people, the climb of the ladder never seemed so slow or, oh, I'm waiting for this person to come back in the ring and he's going to hit me now. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it, to be honest. Yeah, I think... So many different moving parts in these matches that um, not just, you know, one to six or seven wrestlers. There's also a ladder. There's multiple multiple ladders ladders, ladders, and a title swinging above above the ring as well. Or two titles, or whatever that you've got a briefcase that you've got to, um, you know, legislate for as well. So, yeah, there's two. There's so many moving parts in these matches. Uh, it's an, it's a wonder that they actually, oftentimes, they go really well. <laughs> yeah, we'll ask Shawn Michaels when they go wrong. Yeah. He loses his fucking rag. <laughs> um, one, just a couple of ones that I wanted to talk about. Um, Jeff Hardy, like you mentioned, Undertaker earlier. Jeff Hardy versus Undertaker. Mm-hmm. That was really one that put Jeff Hardy on the map as a single star yeah. to the point where I'm pretty sure most people in the arena were convinced he was actually going to win the title <laughs> and that was just on an episode of Raw. That was just on Raw, yeah. <laughs> and with the exception of Andrade versus Ray a few weeks ago you don't get them on Raw anymore. No. They, were, they, they kept saying it was well, the first ladder yeah. match on Raw for nearly 14 years. Yeah, it's a long, long time. And it doesn't seem these days that we really get many singles ladder matches anymore no and i think that is probably where you get most of the drama from because it's one guy trying to stop another guy when he's climbing or whatever rather than just oh this one person's climbing and there's six possible people who can push him off yeah um i'd like to just go back um i'm gonna pre up your question you're gonna ask me the same right what ones are uh, memorable to me i will yeah <laughs> Well, let's preempt that question. Um, so, starting with obviously the Shawn Michaels Razor one. Aside from the match itself, I really, really loved the fact that this match was born out of a storyline. Yeah, that's I think when you get the best. Yeah, just so the storyline being, if you don't remember it, um, that uh, I think Shawn had uh, given up the IC title. Yeah, one in reason probably many injuries slash suspensions. Forced to from getting in like a bar fight or something yeah. like that. Uh, I think that, I think that might be later on. Uh, but anyway, he uh, Razor Ramon won the title, and then at some point, Sean came back and said, "Never lost it. Here's my title." So he had a replica title made, the same title, and they both went around for a few weeks claiming just to be. out of legit, like Sean just kept the title. Yeah, so yeah. I'll just make another one and give it to Razor. Yeah, um, uh, you know, so they both went around claiming to be the IC champion, and you know, what better way to it than to have a match where you physically have to grab the title? in order to claim the belt and to be declare yourself the real champion. Mm. Perfect storyline for, for a ladder match. I don't know whether that was intentional and whose idea it was to put these two in a ladder match to decide the winner, but whoever it was, it was genius. I feel like I've heard Bruce Pritchard say it was... Um, probably say it was him. No, uh, Pat Patterson. Probably. That seems to be where most of the, uh, the good old ideas came from. done some stuff in... Um, in Smoky Mountain, I think, mm. or Stampede, one of the two, um, which is where Bret Hart's had a lot of them yeah. previously. Uh, so yeah, I think I think I remember him saying it was Pat Patterson's idea. It makes sense. Um, and look what it's become. But one one that I wanted to give a shout out to is probably one that a lot of people don't really talk about a lot more because of who is in it. Uh, but my personal favourite. 
one on one ladder match is um, one certain Chris Jericho. You know, you can't really mention him. Uh, but the other guy was and also someone Chris you probably Benoit. shouldn't definitely mention. So Chris Benoit versus Chris Jericho at the Royal Rumble 2001. Just an absolutely amazing ladder match. Yeah, and when when going back and watching that, that's we did one, an episode on it. We did not just that match, but the whole show. That that's one of the instances of um, of minimal ladders being used, and the, the goal is to win the title, not mm. to necessarily just do some flashy moves. Yeah. Um, the it probably sounds quite bad, but when Jericho does his to- not Jericho Benoit does his suicide dive and Jericho hits him in the head with a, del- a chair in midair. One of my favourite things ever. <laughs> Retrospectively, not the greatest. It was fucking horrible. Yeah. It should never have been done. Um, but it, it kind of makes it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely agree that that is, that is probably a top five ladder match for me, especially a single. Yeah. Um, singles ladder match. Um, other other ones quickly from my my point of view. Um, Rob Van Dam and um, Rob Van Dam, Eddie Guerrero, but also Rob Van Dam and Jeff Hardy had some good ones. Yeah, it's true. Jeff Hardy had a good one with John Johnny Nitro back in the day. Um, First tag team ladder match: Hardy's versus Edge and Christian in the uh, yeah. Well, that, that Terry, was... was it the Terry Invitational Tournament? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The uh, tit. The tit. Um, well, that was that was where I was gonna um, where I was gonna go to next was ah, sorry the the Hardys and Edge and Christian initially and how their rivalry sparked a evolution of the ladder match which then turned into a whole new match mm-hmm. and the impact that's had on WWE over the last twenty years. Mm. So we started with the tag team ladder match first one ever at No Mercy 99 then we get to the Hardys versus the Dudleys at Royal Rumble 2000 in a table match mm-hmm. and we get three of those teams in a triangle ladder match first ever triangle ladder match at Mania 16 one of my favourite matches ever 2000 oh, fuck. <laughs> one of my favourite matches ever which then evolves into the first ever tables, ladders, and chairs match at SummerSlam 2000. Also, one of my favorite matches ever. Yeah, that's uh, that's one I think you've probably seen more than any other match. I uh, yeah, I with all three of those matches, the the triangle ladder match, first TLC, and the second one at WrestleMania mm. uh, 17 X7. If you want to be a dick about <laughs> it, um, never. I could probably recreate. 90, not like physically, but like I could tell <laughs> you it, like ninety yeah. percent of the match off the top of my head. No, nice. I've seen it that many times. Nice. It's kind of sad. Quite sad. Um, so, what do we make of the TLC match, Matt? I'll start with you. What is what, what are some of your favourites, and what what do you think of it now in twenty twenty as its own pay per view? <sighs> Okay, don't be too negative. Um, the pay-per-view itself needs to disappear. It's time um, to I go. It's, it's just... I think we're all in agreement. Say, but it's short of shit on its legacy. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement that, with the exception of, I guess, Royal Rumble, Matt, that there shouldn't be... Themed pay per views around match types 
I think would maybe the exception was sort of elimination chamber. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. elimination chamber. I like elimination chamber. And I think it's got it's it's positioned well in the calendar sort of thing. Elimination chamber works well in terms of taking six competitors to either win a title or win a title shot. Yeah. Um, and you could place that throughout any. You could place it throughout any point of the the year, but, the, but it works um, well where it is. Before WrestleMania. Whereas, like with TLC and Hell in a Cell, when we were like growing up, it was the feud determined the match type, not not the, the time month. of year. <laughs> um, so yeah, it definitely has kind of um, watered down anyway the the spectacle of a TLC match. I would agree. I think. Um... If you if you go back and name the classic TLC matches, so we're looking at you know the the, the triple tag team Edge Christian Hardys Dudleys, both of those ones um, at you know SummerSlam or WrestleMania, um, and then you know the forgotten one also to speak that came to light. I say came to light, but sort of got a little bit of traction on social media a couple of weeks ago uh, with Jericho and Benoit in it. So you know, <laughs> not going to yeah. get as much of a mention. Uh, class really classic matches. Um, and then if you look back over the last, say, 10 years, can you think of a really good TLC match? Nope. It's hard to, rem- I mean, um, to remember Asuka, them all. Asuka, Becky, Charlotte, maybe, as a, you know, probably an outlier there. But it's, yeah, it's really difficult to, because there's so many, there's at least probably three a year now, that it, they, they sort of meld together. Well, we did only have one last year. Okay. And we had two the year before. Mm. Um, one of the ones I always find, I often find, is um, forgotten or, or not talked about. Um, and it was one of my favourite matches growing up. Was um, John Cena versus Edge at Unforgiven 2006 mm-hmm. in Toronto. And it was one of the most anti-Cena crowds yeah. there's ever been. Also, it doesn't help the fact that it was in Edge's hometown. <laughs> um, but it was really kind of like a... Um, from my perspective, a kind of breakout performance from Cena in a different match type and something that's supposedly Edge's speciality. Yeah. Um, that's always been one of my uh, one of my favourite ones that I don't see mentioned a lot. No. Um, that's a good shout. I, I mean, my main point about TLC matches is, is there a need for them anymore? Uh, you have a ladder match. There's no disqualifications anyway. Um, yeah, chances there's, are you, there's nothing someone, stopping you from using a chair or a table. Chances are someone's going through a table. Chances are someone's going to get hit by a chair. It's essentially a ladder match. Uh, yeah. At the time, it was sounded great because you didn't see table spots too often. I know the Dudleys had started you know using one fairly often, um, but you didn't see table spots a lot. And you know you get tables on Raw. A referee went through a table on Raw on Monday. You know, like. That's all the crowd ever fucking asked for. And I don't understand it. Why do you want tables? Yeah, it is a bit of a weird one. Like outside of a wrestling um, kind of arena, it's kind of difficult to explain to. Take it out of context; it's completely random. Um, I think one of the reasons why um, ITLC became so popular even before it was a thing was. Tables, ladders, and chairs. Oh my! You want Mick Foley to thank for that one? Literally, as we have a lot of for things the rest in pro wrestling, you have Mick Foley to thank. Um, so let's just quickly get into before we move on to one of the other matches. Let's just move, uh, let's go over some stats, shall we? Go for it. 
Who do you think Who? has the most appearances in a TLC match? Good question. Probably someone that you would not expect. Um, I'm going to say... Jeff Hardy. Matt, I was going to say Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy has um, been in five TLC matches, which puts him second on the list. And Jeff Hardy has lost all five. <laughs> He's never won one. Never won. Never won one. Um, is it Edge? Edge, yes. Yeah. Edge has got seven appearances in a TLC okay. match. Yeah. Doubt he'll be making any more. Uh, you never know. Mm, just be crazy. stack of dimes he calls a neck. <laughs> um, five, se- um, five victories from seven appearances. Impressive Pretty ratio. Pretty good record. Um, Who did he lose to other than Cena? The other one he would have lost, I think, was the one that SmackDown won. Yeah, Chris Jericho and, yeah, Benoit. Jericho and Benoit. They they won that match. Um, Edge even defeated The Undertaker. He did. He's defeated Ric Flair. Defeated the Hardys and the Dudleys. And he's also defeated Kane, Alberto Del Rio, and Rey Mysterio in a Fatal 4. So, so some pretty good company to, to keep for Edge. Um, someone else who's never won any. He's been in fours, Bubba Ray Dudley. Yeah. Matt Hardy and Devon have never won any, and they've been in three. So Bubba Ray has been in. Bubba Ray's been in one more. One more than Devon. Yeah. And I think it was one on Raw. Was he with Spike? I think so. Um, it doesn't matter. Kane defeated the Dudley Boys, Bubba Ray Dudley, and Spike Dudley. Spike Dudley. Christian, Chris Jericho, Jeff Hardy, and Rob Van Dam. And that was the one where um, Jericho got knocked out by yeah. Bubba. Bubba Ray got knocked out. Jericho basically had to remind him where he was. Like on the top of the yeah, ladder. on the top of a ladder. <laughs> um, quick shout out for WLC. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Surprisingly good match, in my opinion. I mean, it wasn't terrible, to be fair, but why does it have to be called WLC? I mean, El Torito has won more TLC matches than Jeff Hardy and Bubba Ray Dudley and Matt Hardy and Demon Dudley combined. It's <laughs> a great record. Great record. One out of one. Yeah. Um, some la- just general ladder match stats for you. I don't know if the TLCs are included in this. I doubt it. But who's got the most appearances? Do you reckon, Matt? Is it just a ladder match? I believe so, according to the Wikipedia page. I think it must be, yeah, because oh, the TLCs aren't hell. included. Um, oh Jesus, Edge maybe again. Ali, what about you? Um, Jericho. I can tell you, Edge has got six appearances with three victories. Chris Jericho's got three appearances with three victories. What? Three appearances? The most, by quite a margin, is Jeff Hardy with seven victories from 12 matches. I do not recall any of them. <laughs> you don't recall any of Jeff Hardy's ladder <laughs> matches? Might have been alive. WrestleMania 33? Yeah. Um... John Morrison? Oh, we can't tag team ones as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Jeff, okay, so let's have a look. Johnny Nitro, um, Fatal Four Way One, where Joey Mercury killed his face. Yeah, um, that was a tag team match, wasn't it? That was a Fatal Four Way with London and Kendrick. Oh, and it was yeah. Regal and yeah, right. Dave Taylor. Dave Taylor defeated Carlito, defeated Edge. Carlito, you know, Hardy Boys just... defeated Gallows and Anderson. Yeah, he's been in loads. Um, so yeah, been and the Undertaker one, obviously. Loads outside of uh, WWE as well. Must have done. Um, so yeah, I think that that bit pretty well covers the ladder match. King of the ladder match, then Jeff Hardy. Yeah, well, he's got the most most victories from most appearances. 
Um, so he's, he's doing pretty well for himself. Mm. Shawn Michaels has been in six ladder matches, by the way, as has Rob Van Dam. So quite a few. Uh, Christian's been in more than Edge. It's one thing that Christian can <laughs> hold over Edge. But has he won as many as Edge? Uh, Christian has won three out of his six. Out of his eight, Edge has won three. Out of his six, so he's yeah. got a better ratio. You know what we need now. <laughs> Ooh, don't. <laughs> don't. Um, WWE 2K20. Um, we'll go back a couple of years and play a game that actually works. <laughs> yeah. Right. <clears throat> so, unless we've got any, any other ladder matches or, or things we want to talk about, should we move on to next next gimmick match? Go for it. All right. So number two on our list is another one which I think we could spend quite a long time on, but probably not spend as long. Um, the Hell in a Cell. Ooh, big one. This would be literally a big literally one. Literally the big one. Um, so, yeah. the first one of these, Another, again, another example of a, perhaps a match tie which has been watered down. Oh, 100%. Um, but another one of these, which the first match was featuring Shawn Michaels. I think there'll be a theme throughout this episode. Versus The Undertaker at Bad Blood 1997. And I think when you think about it, this match is probably remembered more for Kane's debut rather than the Hell in a Cell debut, which I guess speaks volumes to how successful the Kane character was. Yeah. And not a a slight on how successful the Hell in a Cell match was. Yeah. Because throughout the late 90s and early 2000s, that was the match. It was... It was, yeah, it was a massive part of the, it was, the late Attitude Era. It was the rivalry ender, the match that only happened every couple of years. Yeah. Um, not every September or October. I mean, but, sometimes on Raw, though. <laughs> I mean, what do we, have we had one, two? Maybe. Um, Kane yeah, but it used to get you, like, a bit excited, didn't it, when they used to be like... Well, it's the way that it used to hell be. Hell in a like, cell. Yeah, head in a cell. It's like, okay, we've done other match types... Like we, we've our rivalry is never ending. Let's just get it done. It was the evolution of the cage match that yeah. was essentially the same thing, where the cage match tended to be the feud settler. And credit and, credit to WWE and again whoever you know invented this idea. It's a, a really good way of evolving a certain match, which to be honest had probably been seen a lot by that point. A cage match. We could probably get onto those in a bit, but you know, a lot of cage matches were, you know, under the bridge at that point. Yeah, and it, you know, just keep doing another cage match. You're like, okay, well, and we've again, seen that before. Again, this, like you said about the ladder match, this was a match that was born out of a storyline in that um, it was designed to keep Shawn Michaels in, as opposed to continually running away from the Undertaker like he had been doing had in the to, months leading up to it. To keep to keep Triple H, H out. out, yeah, China. Um, so again, it was a match born out of a story, um, which I think far exceeded anyone's expectations at the time. Um, I think what also gets forgotten is that um, this match wasn't for a title. No. It was actually a number one contenders match. Yeah. It's crazy when you think about it. Mm. It is. <laughs> Bret Hart was the champ at the time. Well, essentially, it? you know, the debut of Kane costing Undertaker this match led directly into the uh, Montreal Screwjob. Yeah. Sure, Michael's got his title shot at Survivor Series. Kane, man. Fuck Kane, man. What a guy. It was the main event of the show. It was, yeah. 
I bet Bret Hart wasn't too happy about that. <laughs> probably not. He probably felt he should have been main event. Because he did wrestle earlier in the night, the match before, with the British Bulldog against the Patriot, the Patriot and Vader yeah. in another gimmick match, which we probably won't talk about, <laughs> a flag match. <laughs> I absolutely detest flag matches. Fucking hate it. John Cena and Rusev had one, didn't they? In 2017. Yeah. <laughs> Was that Battleground? Who cares of any more? Nothing ever good. John Cena's big return just to be confronted by I hate America. <laughs> he doesn't. He loves America, Rusev. Yeah. Um So, right, back to Helena Cell. I think we should all know the answers to this one, but who's got the most Helena Cell appearances? Undertaker. Triple H. Triple H's got nine. Winning six, losing three. Undertaker's got fourteen. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was the Undertaker. Well, wanted to be different. Triple H is second on the list. Yeah. And he's won eight and lost six, Undertaker. Third on the list is Randy Orton. Yeah, makes sense. And I bet... Most recent against Jeff Hardy, right? I'd, I'd be, I can almost guarantee that you won't guess fourth place. You can almost guarantee that I won't guess fourth place. The fuck off! <laughs> I can't see. Um, Shane McMahon? Matt? That's not the answer, by the way. I think in recent years. Um... Oh, I cannot say. Oh, uh... would it be. No, it wouldn't be Mick Foley because he's only been in two, hasn't he? Mick Foley's been in four with Mankind slash oh, Cactus four. Jack. How many has this fourth place person been in? Five. Oh. No one else has got five. Oh, I'm not going to let you spend too long on this. <laughs> the answer is CM Punk. I was going to say CM Punk. Yeah, after I told you. No, the I was just going to say go CM, CM Punk's Punk. been in five. One, two, and lost three. I don't remember any of them. That's one more than Shawn Michaels and John Cena. I can't remember any of them. There was a, he had a really bad one against... It wasn't really bad. It was just a really short one against The Undertaker. And he lost the title. But that's pretty much the only one I can remember. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but wow. apparently he's had five. So, uh, Oh, he had one against Ryback. Oh, God. Well, he, I think he had two with Ryback. Oh, Back yeah, to, I remember um, that. Nope. With Helen, yeah, in 2012 and 2013. Um, there was one where he beat, he beat up Paul Heyman on the top of the Hell in a Cell. Yeah, I have. You definitely have. Um, so yeah, CM Punk quite high on the list. Um, I think we'd be remiss to mention, remiss not to, to not mention, mention um, probably the most infamous Hell in a Cell match and moments of all time. I remember Reigns versus Russo. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, oh, okay. Not even when he had the chain. Obviously, it's. The Undertaker versus Mick Foley. Mankind, whatever you want to call him. Um, how Mankind slash Mick Foley didn't die. It's a borderline miracle. I mean, I think he did die at some point in that match, but he just you know, resurrected. He just wasn't having it. Yeah. Um, let's just talk about that match and specifically the two spots. Because I think the rest of the match... I've seen that match like 25 times at least. The rest, it's still a tough one. The rest of the match kind of gets lost, mm. but you forget the 
when he gets tossed off the toss, when he gets hey. thrown off the top of the head in a cell. That's one of the first things that happened in the match. <laughs> Literally, the match started on top of the cell. Yeah, the match didn't even start. Actually, no, it did ring. I think I'm pretty sure the bell did ring. I'm not sure it did. I'm not sure, I don't no, know. It didn't. So the match hadn't even started by the time he'd fallen 16 feet off the top of the cage. Through a table. With, by the way, probably the most perfectly executed bump he could have taken. But still, infinitely dangerous. Yeah. And very poorly advised. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and I'm sure we've all heard the, heard the stories, but one of the reasons he did it was he was so worried about how about how good the first one was with Michaels and Undertaker and how he wanted to top it. Yeah. Because um, he was worried that their feud wasn't particularly hot going into it and it was just going to kind of get lost and that he might even then begin to kind of slide down the card. Um, and how he and Terry Funk were talking about it and Terry Funk suggested to start on top of the cage. Um, and how he had to, it took a lot of convincing to get the Undertaker to throw him off the top. Because <laughs> Undertaker just said to him, why are you so insistent on killing yourself? Um it's just mental to think that that was a voluntary decision. Yeah. Say, look, can you throw me off the top of the cell through a table? Almost breaking Hugo Savinovich's leg or yeah. whatever one it was. Um, didn't seem like anybody knew it was going to happen. And it's born the most infamous wrestling call of all time yeah. from JR. Yeah. It's just and crazy. King, to be fair. <laughs> and all of that in five seconds. Ridiculous. I mean, it was such a momentous occasion. Uh, what's well, a momentous one moment, I guess, um, in that yeah, it spawned essentially the the birth of... Well, I don't want to say the birth, but it essentially cemented Mick Foley as um, one of the toughest, if not the toughest performer there has ever been. Um, probably the craziest. But also, um, it also led to probably an increase in the sort of violence, um, which you may look at as a good or a bad thing um, throughout the Attitude Era. And we've seen it. We've seen it now a few times since, haven't we? Probably not, not with the same effect. But it, it happens more now, uh, and it's all because of that moment. And it's you know certainly paved the way. Um, one thing to remember: you go into that match as well. One probably one thing that weighed on Mick Foley's mind as well is the Undertaker had a broken foot. Yeah. Broken ankle. Say, yeah. Broken, Broken, foot, ankle. Broken ankle going into this match. Um, so he was really massively restricted in what he could actually do. And I think if you we want to see an example of putting together a match which really well hides and compensates for people's limitations, then that's a really great example. I'm just saying it doesn't move what, a lot. Well, essentially what McFoley did was say, okay, you um, don't move much, just almost kill me, and then your foot will be all right. <laughs> Yeah. Apart from when he had to jump you'll down from fine. the cage. If, if only... I'm going to absolutely fuck myself over. <laughs> I may die, but your foot will be fine. If only we all had colleagues like that. Yeah. <laughs> to pick up, a bit, uh, pick up a bit of slack yeah. or whatever. I know, man. Um, so we obviously we get the, the famous bump off the top of the cage. We'd never seen anything like that before. And we didn't for a long time after. Um, he then gets stretched off... Um, all the officials are out. He's being stretched to the back, and he fights them all off and starts coming back. 
Um, now that crowd moment, she, like that big eruption that, from the crowd, I think that is the, semi, the, the cementing of Mick Foley. Yeah, that's the moment I think that made him. Because um, that's when the crowd started chanting. Well, they, they would they had done while he was down, but this yeah. was like shit. Yeah, let's go, Mick Foley. Fuck the Undertaker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> even though he was the bad guy going into it, and Undertaker yeah. was the face. Um, Can you imagine being in that arena that night? I know, especially one of those front rows. Yeah. You'd be like, he always landed in the front. He eventually, he essentially did. He basically slid into he the front row because he was under the barricade. Yeah. Because yeah, like, you all hit. I don't know if you've ever noticed. Um, I've, I think it's been played quite a lot, especially in the Monday Night Wars documentaries. But when Vince McMahon comes out and um, they're beginning to stretch him off or whatever, there's someone in the front row who just says, "You got your ratings now, McMahon." Like, <laughs> essentially, be like, "I hope you're happy with yourself because you've just killed Mick Foley in in order to get some ratings." Um, but he climbs back up the cage with a dislocated shoulder. Mm-hmm. How? It's actually one-handed. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't easy. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't easy in the first place before he'd been chucked off. Mm. Um, and then you get the second spot. Oh, the second spot, man. I, which for... It's the stuff of nightmares for me. As much as I've always, oh. you know, I dreamt about being a wrestler when I was a kid. As soon as the attitude era came around and the violence got kicked up a notch, <laughs> I was like, no, no. Maybe no, I won't not, do this. Not for me. <laughs> no. I might take a baking tray to the face once, but I'm not... not not falling 16 feet almost too much. By life. far, the worst bit of it is where you just see it dipping. You're like, oh my God. Well, the anticipation is what kills you with that. Well, the earlier it would be if it didn't, wasn't before, the fall. Before he got um, thrown off the first time, they were um, uh, fighting and brawling on top of the cage and they're walking around and there's a moment where they walked into the corner of one of the squares and it breaks broke, through. Yeah. And they both have to kind of hold each other to be like, shit, we <laughs> just fell on top of a ring post. Yeah. And the crowd kind of go, oh, like, like there's anticipation for like, shit, these guys might fall through. Yeah. And um, it's not really anything you consider because you think, right, it's going to be sturdy. Yeah, but you don't. Until that happened, it wasn't like, oh, there's danger. They these might are two fall guys through. who weigh three hundred pounds each. Well, yeah, there was, there was danger that you might fall off. It wasn't really. A, you weren't really thinking, oh, you might fall through this. Yeah, because um, I mean, we saw Shawn Michaels and Undertaker on top of the cell before. Yeah, but from my recollection, I don't really recall there being moments of like, oh, it's going to break. Yeah, um, I got like, the iconic shot of the cameraman underneath Shawn Michaels with the blood dripping on his lens. And yeah, all that stuff. Um, <laughs> the unedited version of the WWE Network of the cameraman yelling "shit" and then having to wipe blood off his camera. <laughs> um, Vince is gonna kill me. So he's managed to climb his way back up with one one good arm. Probably not even good arm. He's so out of it that he can't even. And the the ground below them isn't particularly any good for it. Like you can't even get off the ground for the choke slam. Mm. Took self admittedly probably the worst choke slam of all time. Terrible. Um, it just fell backwards. Yeah. <laughs> but it's probably when you think of how bad the landing was, mm. probably the best thing that could have happened to McFarley was not jumping. Yeah. Because <laughs> if he had jumped in midair. Land because then he subsequently would have landed higher on his shoulders on the cage. Well, you're, ro- you're rotating, which aren't you? effectively, you with the distance between the cage roof and the ring, he would have continued to rotate and potentially land on his head and neck, yeah, and then probably would have actually died. Yeah, it's just mental to think I mean, about. Imagine the ratings. Well, <laughs> still, one of the funniest things in that whole thing is where <laughs> Terry Funk is talking about how to be trainers. How that happens, I have no idea. How loose do your shoes have to be, man? It's like being on fucking Nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> I 
when I when I saw uh, Mick Foley at his live event thing, he said <laughs> after that Terry Funk was talking to the Undertaker, and all the Undertaker said is, "Is he dead?" Yeah, yeah, I remember him saying that. <laughs> and then he was like, "No, he's not." And he was like, "Right, I'm going to choke you now, then." <laughs> yes. I mean, it's, it's such a weird like possibility to that. Such a weird situation to be in, where the possibility is that you know, something in a wrestling match that you've chosen to do, that you know that everyone's consented to and has been planned, you have to turn to someone and say, "Is he dead?" <laughs> yeah. Like, well, this that particular the lengths it went to wasn't particularly planned because wow. the cage wasn't meant to break, as um, far as all, all reports go. Um, but they they were held together with a bit of um, uh, zip ties. Yeah. You see them pop out um, after the thing breaks. And I mean, everything about it, like you don't notice and t- until really after when you see the replays and stuff. That uh, uh, the chair that there was on there also fell through and hit him in the face as he landed. He landed on his face. Um, and one of the things that you, you don't really think about until you watch it again in the replay is the cage, the the section of the cage roof breaks. Mm. It swings down bounces off the ropes and narrowly misses Mick Foley on the way back up. Yeah. Which could have easily hit him, like, in the face or something. And <laughs> It wouldn't have surprised me if it had. Like, <laughs> there wasn't much going his way on that day. Um, but it just feels like, when you think of how bad it went, but how infinitely worse it could have been, it's, yeah. it's insane to think about. And th- even then... Oh, my shouty neighbour again. Um... Even then, you get he gets um, backdropped onto thumbtacks. He's getting hit with steel steps and stuff, and mm. it's insane to it's, think about. It's a ridiculous. But man. the thing is, even after all that, he comes back out later in the night. Yeah, it's in. Yeah, it's it's meant. And I remember Stone Cold saying they had going like up, going into the match. Even like by the time they were out there, they had no idea if Mick Foley is going to be coming out or not, and he was. The finish. He yeah. was part of the finish. Major part in the main event. He was the finish of the main event at that pay per view. Um, and yeah, it's it's definitely despite how good the first match was, they got the five stars from Meltzer and all that kind of stuff. It was definitely the match which cemented Hell in a Cell. Yeah, definitely. I think as as something which 100%. would stick around. I mean, um, you you go from that, and I think it did they. They really kind of cooled off on the Hell in a Cell after that for a little while, didn't they? Well, you you say that, but from major ma- like major moments, I think. Yeah, from moments. You, the next one was actually on Raw the next night in no, no. in August, so just two months later, um, against Kane, Mankind and Kane. Mankind and Kane. Yeah. Um, did you know a little stat here that Pennsylvania had three Hell in a Cell matches in a row? Did not know that. So they had. Mankind Undertaker won. Mankind Kane on Raw two months later, and then in um, WrestleMania the next year, the Undertaker hung Big Boss Man. Which the less said about that, the uh, the better. Yeah. Um. So there's been a lot of other Hell in a Cell matches, a lot of notable ones, um, which we'd love to talk about, but we're already 45 minutes deep into I mean, this. We could do an episode on Hell in a Cell matches. Let's face it. But uh, what well, I do want to say, I was just thinking. Like, we're going quite deep into this conversation. Why don't we split this up into two episodes? Two-parter. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, might as well, rather than rushing through the, the latter half of the list. Mm. All right, we'll do a five and five. Um, okay, well, on that 
following that theme then, some other Hell in a Cell matches. It's been too long, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about them. Um, obviously, Cactus Jack and Triple H. That's what I was going to was was gonna. Yeah, get I love that one. I mean, they really, they called off on the major moments in Hell in a Cell matches, and then that match came along. <laughs> I mean... And Mick Foley went crazy again. There's only a few, uh, there's only a few people, I guess, when you say called off on major moments there's only a few people I guess who would be willing to do them well Mick Foley was in another one <laughs> yeah but up up to that point after that Mankind Undertaker one you have Mankind versus Kane Undertaker versus Big Boss Man they're not exactly people who are going to be flying around are they mm-hmm. and then you got Triple H and Cactus Jack and that was the first one in just under a year yeah and that was again along with the street fight from Royal Rumble um, another great match it's one that the the ladder match with The Rock at SummerSlam 98 elevated Triple H mm-hmm. this one cemented him as top guy yeah I think I think this feud it was the because this match um, correct me if I'm wrong but this match was hot on the heels of the Royal Rumble Street Fight right yeah it's the month after yeah so I think the Royal Rumble Street Fight um, cemented him as top star in the company uh, or at least the guy for that moment. This match cemented him as like okay, Badass. legitimately one of the toughest guys. I mean, he re- retired Mick Foley for a <laughs> I month. Think, I think we've all retired Mick Foley at some point <laughs> in our lives, haven't we? Yeah, it's um, one of the other matches which I always replayed on the PlayStation, um, and was something that. We've not seen since. Oh, I know which one you're going to say. Is Kurt Angle as champ, walking in as champ, walked out as champ after defeating The Undertaker, Triple H, Stone Cold, uh, Rikishi, and The Rock. The the one and only six-man Hell in a Cell match. Can I say the the phrase, one of these things is not like the others to you? (laughs) (laughs) What do you think I'm referring to? Would that be Rikishi by any chance? That would be Rikishi, <laughs> yes. This was a... I think it was that time when Triple H was out, wasn't he? Triple H in the match? Not Triple H. I'm thinking Chris Jericho. No. Chris Jericho had a last man... Chris Jericho had a last man standing match with Kane that same night. Yeah, he did. He spilled coffee over him. Oh, that's how that... Oh, fucking hell. But, so... I understand why Rikishi was in this match because of the storyline mm-hmm. with Stone Cold and kind of the rock. Um, but he was a bad man. He was a bad man. But unless they actually had real plans for him to be in the top tier of WWE, surely this should have been Jericho or Kane. I guess someone had to take the bump off the top of the cell. And out of all of those people, it was Rikishi. <laughs> <laughs> I know. it was. This was... When you go back and watch this match, this is a classic case of... Attitude era booking clusterfuck. Yeah, um, it's such a great match. It's one of my favorite matches ever. But um, it's just chaos left, right, and center with six guys in Hell in the Cell, which you'd never seen any more than two before. Mm. Um, but there comes a point where they break out of the cell. Some people are fighting in the ring. Some people are fighting around the cage. Some are on top of the cage. Some are, they they all kind of make their way up the ramp and stuff. Yeah. And the whole theme going into it was um, Commissioner Mick Foley made the match. And Vince McMahon was so against it because he was worried about losing all six yeah. of his top assets, really. Or five. <laughs> or five and Rikishi, yeah. <laughs> um, and so it comes a point in the match where he, 
comes down in, a, in I guess, a pickup truck. What the fuck was this, man? Ties, uh, gets on to tie or um, hook, get a hook attached to one of the caged walls and wants to pull it down. <laughs> it's just but before he can, truck. he gets ejected by Mick Foley and essentially arrested for some reason. It just so happens to have a bunch of hay in the back. Yeah, a massive bed of hay. <laughs> um, Why? It was odd. There's so much going on. But I think that's what made it so good. Well, that's the attitude here is summed up in one match, isn't it? Just so much going on. So many people involved. But not only so many people involved, the star power involved. Because not only have you got Kurt Angle, the champ, yeah. The Undertaker, obviously one of the greatest ever, Triple H at the time had been top guy for the year, Stone Cold, obviously, yeah. biggest star ever, The Rock, probably second biggest star ever at that point, and Arikishi. Um <laughs> But... Not, but then you've also got Vince McMahon on the outside. You've got uh, Mick Foley on the yeah. outside. You've got JR and Jerry King Lawler calling the match. Yeah. It's just so much. It's, it's so good. And no one expected Kanga to win. Nobody expected it. I mean, to walk in as champion against those well, four of those five competitors and to walk out as champion. Again, we're talking about moments where I remember being people, pissed that, was that he, was, he did walk out as champion. I mean, yeah, I think everybody was. Everyone was like, oh, imagine oh, Rock's going to win the title back, or Stone Cold's going to win the title back. Oh, imagine The Undertaker is champion. No. And this this was, <laughs> like we saw with Triple H previously, this was one of those ones where you go, yeah, Kyle was actually, like, he's, about, like, he's really good. Well, like, he belonged. Right? He instantly belonged. I remember when he won the championship from The Rock, and everyone was a bit like, oh, that's a bit soon. Like, a year in. He's good, but, like, you know, come on. And by that point, it was like, okay. Well, he's just gone up against Stone Cold, The Rock, Triple H, The Undertaker, and Rikishi, uh, and beat them. And, yeah, you know. and it wasn't like he got beat up the whole match or was hiding the whole match. He was right in the thick of it, got his ear busted open, and pinned The Rock, the rock I, think. I think it was. He just crawled over at the end. Of yeah, it, after he'd been pedigreed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, insane match, one of my, one of my favourite Helen Cell matches ever. really, really difficult to recreate on WWE games. It's <laughs> so really difficult to win. Yeah, you can't win it. I mean, I, I played well. I think I sent a video of you uh, of the end to you, and I think I replaced Rikishi with Jericho. Chris Jericho, yeah. and he crawled in out of nowhere. <laughs> he crawled in out of nowhere and pinned someone. It's like everyone else is still <laughs> standing. It's just like this is ridiculous. It just goes to show how many ridiculous things there are that could happen in this match. It wasn't until 2006. Was the DX versus McMahon, Shane and Vince and, and Big, Big Show, Show yeah. where we got the bigger yeah. cell, which effectively, for a long time, marked the end of people going on top of the cage. Yeah, too bloody high. Because it was massive. And that stayed until this day, mm-hmm. the same height and everything. What do we make of the bigger cage? And how it's changed the Hell in a Cell match. I mean, it looks more sturdy and rigid. Definitely uh, looks a lot less likely to break. About the only thing that you can... It just looks better. I mean, it it had... makes the idea of someone falling or jumping from the top yeah. like unbelievable because you think it's ever going to happen. But also like, oh, could you imagine? But then, you know, Shane comes around and does it. Um, I mean, we had... Um... For the love of mankind. We have had moments on top of the cell since um, CM Punk and Ryback and uh, well, I think there was, a, was there a 
Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose. That won. that is a, a very, in my opinion, underrated Hell in a Cell match. Yeah. Uh, Pure chaos. There was, one, there was one not too long ago. Was it? I swear Seth Rollins was in that one as well. Dolph Ziggler took a bump for a table. Yeah, they were like hanging on the side. And what was that match? It was um, Roman Reigns versus uh, Braun Strowman. And it was with Zig- Ziggler and McIntyre on the outside and, and Ambrose and Rollins. Rollins. Yeah, okay. Um, well, also, um, stuff that went on along the top was um, Kevin Owens and Shane. Yeah. Where I was convinced that Kevin Owens was <laughs> jumping off the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, it was Shane. One of the most, well, most recent notable things that Sami Zayn ever did. Yeah, still a heel to this day. I really miss Babyface Sami Zayn. I just rest to rest Sami Zayn. Um, shout out to the only tag team title Hell in a Cell match between the Usos and the New Day. That was a really fantastic match. Oh, that one was brutal. Very yeah. violent. Very violent. Shout out to uh, Jeff Hardy's ear. Um <laughs> 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 Really innovative, I thought, that match, the way they sort of went about things. Like, certain things we've not seen before. And Jeff Hardy hanging off the cage to try and, you know, splash around you on, I guess he was trying to do, going through the table and losing the match. Cause not that. seen that before. Never going into that. the match was was everyone being, oh, um... Jeff Hardy's what, first Hell in a Cell match, wasn't it? Yeah. What What's Jeff Hardy going to do? Hmm. He's going to do something crazy. Yeah. I mean, a swanton off the top of the cell was probably out of reach. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine he probably pitched it, though. Oh, yeah. Of course he did. Oh, without a doubt, he pitched it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll just do a swan top, and they're like, no, 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 no. Jeff, top the top. How old are you now? Also, could you imagine. Do you want to make your next like, birthday? Um, to Randy Orton. Yeah, would you mind taking a swan top <laughs> from the top of the cell with yeah. 20 feet's worth of impact? <laughs> nope. Um, well, I, th- would have moved. I think I know the answer to this one, but what do we make of the red head in a cell? <laughs> Debuted yeah, in that well, Randy Orton Jeff Hardy match. I mean, I I don't hate it to be honest. A lot of people do. I don't particularly hate it. Um, it's just when you mixed it with the red lighting from the fiend. Uh, yeah, you couldn't the, see a fucking thing. Probably the less said about that match, the better. But when you mix it with the lighting, it doesn't look great. I I, I kind of they have reverted it back, haven't they? This year it was just silver, wasn't it? Or was it red? I think it was still red. Was it this, still red? This, yeah, because this year was the fiend. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, I just kind of wish they'd just go back to silver. We have to make it different, make it black. Yeah, it's just like silver's easy enough to an easy enough color that doesn't disrupt your eyes like on the TV. Like red or black would be so kind of startling, I guess. Yeah. Well, silver's are... quite. I mean, if you look at black, I mean, you kind of look at the elimination chamber for black, and it is a little bit disruptive to your vision. I yeah, mean, the match the black, but then the elimination chamber. I think they should just like... do with silver because you know yeah. it's steel. Steel. steel is silver. Or go see through steel. <laughs> Get glass. Transparent steel. Um, don't spend too much on my hell in a cell match, but shout out to Charlotte Flair and Sasha Banks for being the first women. Yeah, and shout out to Sasha and Becky for having the best, the better ones. Yeah. Match. Yeah, um, Sasha, 100% record in appearances, but 0% in wins. Kind of sums up her... Well, the pay-per-view really. can get the fuck. Yeah, agreed. As we mentioned with the TLC, it, 
the amount of times these days we get cold feuds having like their first match in Hell in a Cell that that's not what this is designed for and it it really is a massive shame that they've kind of shat all over the Hell in a Cell concept and obviously understand there's a lot less maybe hardcore stuff you can do or brutal because this is one of those matches where blood Mm. is expected yeah or was expected and makes makes such a difference um when you were conditioned as we were younger to like face meeting steel or whatever equals blood and then they're just stopping even yeah. though the same things are happening it's a bit um could be a bit hard to take um shout out also to um seth rollins and kevin owens for having a really good hell so much yeah one of the underrated ones i think oh yeah definitely that was that was one of the breakout performances for seth as a baby face as well um so yeah good good stuff um I want to move on to the next match type, and I'll, I was going to do cage match, but I think I'll leave that for the next one because it's too, too similar. similar. Yeah. Um, or we might even swap it out because there's not much to be said that hasn't already been said, really. Um, so I'll move on to seeing as it is just round the corner and it's on a similar theme, elimination chamber. So the first Elimination Chamber was at Survivor Series 2002, like we said earlier, featuring Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho, Kane, Booker T, and Rob Van Dam. And in 2002, that is essentially almost as good of a um, as good of a roster mm. in a match as you're going to get. Really, yeah, from a raw perspective, anyway. This is while the brands were split. Um, and it was for the World Heavyweight Championship, which Triple H was the holder of going into it. Um, and it was a match created by Eric Bischoff, not too long after he'd become general manager. Um, what were our memories of the first Elimination Chamber match? Um, so probably Being like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, a little it's bit. fucking huge. Probably a little bit like most people watching, like, oh, this looks shit. This will never take off. Yeah, um, <laughs> but... And then the match happened. The match happened. Well, it wasn't so much the match. It was the moment. The moment, yeah. yeah. I think Shawn Michaels winning that championship. I still maintain to this to this day, I think that might be the loudest pop I can recall. I mean, it was a Madison Square Garden, so it's a fairly small crowd. But, oh yeah, I wouldn't, I'd say it's not far off, maybe. But, um... Yeah, the moment of Sean winning that title. I mean, inconsequential in the um, in the grand scheme of things, really, him winning that title. Lost it like two months later. Yeah. Um, in his only um, world title well, well, I'm run to in his that. return yeah. for eight years. I know. That's crazy. I think um, how many title matches he had. Yeah. Never won another one. Never won. Um, I was going to say, yeah, the, the moment of him winning that, as, as you know, as little as it meant going forward, it meant it was so emotional at the time um, that someone could come back from what was essentially a career-ending injury. And I know I know now we see it, you know, we've seen it more often, uh, especially with the likes of Edge and Daniel Bryan now. Um, but at the time... Oh, they're taking the piss out of it now, aren't they? <laughs> you don't time, retire anymore, do you? At the time, it was a massive, massive deal. And it was um, so emotional when he won. He was emotional when he won. I think everybody in the crowd was emotional. I think that that is what you heard when he won. 
But also, I think it also speaks volumes of how good of a heel Triple H was. Yeah. How much not only did people want to see Shawn Michaels want to win, but they they wanted him to win because he was in the final two against Triple H. Mm. Because um, I'm sure, say, Rob Van Dam winning the title would have been greatly received because when he, he gets eliminated first and the crowd aren't happy about it. Yeah. But I'm sure him winning the title would have been well received, but nowhere near yeah. the level of joy that it was for Sean. Is this the match where Triple H um, breaks, breaks gets his throat crushed? Yeah. yeah. Crushed, crushed Van, Van Dam jumps off the pod. During the first, what, couple of eliminations, wasn't it? It was... Him, Triple H and Van Dam started the match, yeah. and that happened before um, the third person came in. Oh, okay. Yeah, so crazy early. Triple H could barely breathe in this match. And he was also busted open by that point. Triple H bled from the third minute. <laughs> crazy. Crazy, crazy man. Mental. Um, so it started to evolve. Um, it became a, a regular thing. Um, next time we saw it was SummerSlam 2003 and that was the first one with Goldberg in it mm-hmm. and Goldberg went fucking nuts he went fucking nuts you get that iconic moment with Jericho is that the one where he, he yeah he didn't go through it and he was just he, he didn't initially go through so we just kept pushing <laughs> yeah, he just pushed him again yeah um, and yeah he, he, he then ch- uh, he chucks Chris Jericho out he does a thing where he, he gets Randy Orton in the military press he drops him power slams him yeah. and, and just destroys Randy Orton destroys Shawn Michaels um, Kevin Nash gets eliminated by I think Batista fucked him <laughs> <laughs> I while someone was maybe well, Kevin Nash can answer the age old question <laughs> I think while someone was being removed, I think Jericho being removed, um, Batista slid in and powerbombed him or something like that. That rings a bell. Um, and Triple H inflicts, I think, Goldberg's first defeat, yeah. I think. Yeah, well. Um, where Goldberg was running at him with a uh, spear. for a spear and he gets hit with a sledgehammer. One of the good one of the good like spots in this match was also um, Triple H being the last person coming out of a, of a pod. Mm. And um, Ric Flair on the outside because everyone was gone. It was just Goldberg. And Goldberg was standing there waiting for him. <laughs> Ric Flair holding the door shut and like tied his jacket around it and being like, "Yeah, fuck off, Goldberg. You're not getting him." Triple H laughing his ass off. So Goldberg just fucks, just yeah. destroys the pod and beats the shit out of uh, out of Triple H. But and loses. Goldberg at the time, although it wasn't the same as it wasn't the same as it was in in WCW, it was still. Incredibly popular, and everyone wanted to see Triple H lose. You know what? Shout out to the first few uh, people in in that match as well, because of the chain outside, outside of the ring. Yeah. Now they've covered it up. Yeah, that that's because that looked great. brutal. Uh, you can tell when people do backdrops and stuff on that that they're not selling. <laughs> they're actually fucking hurt. Yeah, that hurt. Um, um, what I would say about Goldberg in this match was he looked great. Everything was great but I think the way he ran through Shawn Michaels Jericho Randy Orton I think that sort of thing really puts people off him yeah and it might be what part of the reason why his run in WWE's first run anyway wasn't a success it was never going to work against the top guys the way it did in WCW exactly you don't nobody wants to see Shawn Michaels get destroyed by Goldberg no um, and but then, you know, one of the what the payoff should have been Goldberg beating Triple H, 
But what we got was Goldberg beating everybody else, but not but Triple, Triple H. H. This, this was during the period where people call Triple H's reign of terror. Yeah. Where it just seemed like he won every match. And, and when he lost it. the title, he'd win it back the next month. And he had to wear the, like, cycling shorts on. Yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah, I think it was because he had a bad, he had, he had a, yeah, had a bad like quad or hamstring injury. Um, and he, yeah, he looked, it was, this was during his fat phase as well. He's had and yeah. come back from. Yeah, it's true. And they kept sticking him in Hell in a Cell matches and Elimination yeah. Chambers because he was in the. No, was bad man. He's in the third one, so he was the runner-up in the first one, and he won the next two. And who else was also in this one was Chris Jericho again for the third time, um, Randy Orton again, Shawn Michaels was a special guest referee. And now we've got Edge in it. And I think this is where we start to see Edge, his Edge's throughout 2005 evolution into, all right, let's push him as a main event guy. The really superstar. Because um, the next year, we have John Cena win the, the Elimination Chamber match. And immediately after, Edge catches in the first ever Money in the Bank. New Year's Revolution, right? Yeah. And to, to win the, the world title That's for the first the time. That's the need to get in the bin, which did, thankfully. New Year's Revolution. Yeah. I didn't mind it so much. It's pointless. Oh, yeah, it's pointless. <laughs> it's annoying that it was at the start of January when Royal Rumble is January. Rumble's January, yeah. Um, so but they, they, could, they could easily, I suppose, then have to lose their name, but... Um, yeah. I was going to say they could move they, they could move that to, like, February, but that's effectively but they did. what they did. No way out. <laughs> well, there was no way out originally, and then yeah. it became an elimination chamber. Um, Triple H won another one. The Undertaker won one. Triple H won another one. So, so this is where we get to the stage where I think it's sort of the lost era where Elimination Chamber matches happened. Just they, they, they were, had yeah, to. There was an hour yearly occurrence. Yeah. Because, so we had one in 2002 and 2003, and we didn't have one until 2005. So 2004 was a bit of a gap. So just to round off then on Elimination Chamber chat, um, who... In your prediction, has made the most elimination chamber appearances. Triple H. Ali. Yeah, I'd go with Triple H. How many do you reckon? Um, Six. Yeah, I was going to say seven. Well, Matt, you are correct. Triple H has been in six. He's won four of those six. It's a pretty decent record. However, he's fourth on the list of all-time appearances. Four. Do you want to hear the top three? John Cena. John Cena. He's on seven. I have Chris no... Jericho. <laughs> Literally, I have no idea. John Cena's on seven. Randy Orton's on seven as well, and Chris Jericho is top with eight. Jericho's on eight. Okay. Jericho's only won one of those eight, but. Jericho holds the record for most eliminations. How many has he eliminated? He's got ten eliminations in eight appearances. Ten Next eight. is Triple H with seven. And then Randy Orton, CM Punk, Undertaker and, jo- and Undertaker are on six. So, pretty decent, pretty decent. Pretty decent. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick someone who's only been in one. Um... How am I going to do this, actually? Okay, I'm going to pick someone, and you have to tell me whether they've won an Elimination Chamber match or not. Okay. 
Batista? No. So he's only been in one? Incorrect. I thought that was the rule. Oh, no, I changed I changed that. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Batista's never won an Elimination Chamber match. That is correct. Batista's been in two, and he's won zero. What um, a loser. Some of the people who've only been in one... Bobby Lashley, Bray Wyatt, Xavier Woods, Big E. Been in one, one, one. Roman Reigns has only been in one. And won it. And won it. Um, of course he did. Strowman, Goldberg, Harley O. Test, Santino Morella. Test was in one. Got to the final two and had two eliminations. Test was in the uh, December to Dismember. Oh, God, the ECW version. Yeah. Fucking awful. Um, Connor and Victor from The Ascension <laughs> are in the same amount of matches as Booker T. Connor and Victor have two eliminations, though. Actually, Connor does. Well, Victor has one. Um, Dean Ambrose only been in one. Kevin Nash, Ben Walker, Angle's only been in one. Angle's only been in one. JBL, Umanga, Umanga. Um, Drew McIntyre, uh, Diego and Fernando. <laughs> Kalisto Sinkara, Tyson Kidd, Titus O'Neil, Baron Corbin, Elias, Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, Samoa Joe, all on just one. We've had two female elimination chambers. Yes, we have. One singles and one for the first ever women's tag team uh, championships. Yeah. Alexa Bliss won the singles one, which I remember the crowd were really happy about to the point where she was beginning to cut a babyface promo after. And then just completely shout out. I saw a clip of this today, actually. It just reminded me of how brilliant she was. <laughs> just like being like, I, like, I just wanted to say, like, like you. It's like you can achieve. You, you can, can achieve your dreams. Psych. <laughs> Sorry, it's like <laughs> apart from you. Because <laughs> you're not me. Um, Mandy Rose, first ever woman to be eliminated from Elimination Chamber. From everything. And the Royal Rumble. Um. So yeah, a lot has happened over the years. Who were the other people in that match? It was it was Mandy Rose, Tony Deville, wasn't it? And what the first women did? Yeah, Alexa Bliss, Sasha Banks, mm-hmm. Bailey, mm-hmm. and Nikki Mickey James. <laughs> yes, hold well on. Yes, Nikki Mickey James. Nikki Mickey. <laughs> hey Nikki, you're so fun. Um, I mean, if if you can't call who's going to win this year's. Women's she probably just give up, right? Yeah. I mean, it's clearly Sarah Logan. <laughs> I mean, she has been in one before. <laughs> She's got the experience. As has Liv Morgan. Either WWE are going to pull an absolute fast one with this, or they're just going to go, well, it's obvious who's going to win. Yeah, she's got to be Shayna. Um, is this the only Elimination Chamber match on the pay-per-view? Yep. Why? <laughs> because none others have been announced. Surely you can make a men's singles one. I mean, there's no. I think they will. I think he'll be after Super Showdown. Maybe you've got, a, you've got the WWE title. Universal title. Yeah. Up for grabs at WrestleMania, you know. Be that Goldberg or Bray Wyatt. Because this is the last pay per view before Mania. Yeah. 
So unless they'll do a number one contenders match on SmackDown, it's not really what they tend to do. There's no build to, do. to it, so that would be disappointing. But... but with these kind of matches, you don't necessarily tend, you don't need always to have a build, especially no, now that it's just it's become nice a... nice to have the people announced. But then, uh, could you become pick... a scheduled event every year. Yeah. Could um, you pick Because these women people? just came out of nowhere, didn't they? No, yeah. no real story or reason for them to be in the match. True. Yeah, just to be number one contender. Yeah. Could you pick six people from SmackDown to be in the Elimination Chamber match right now? Sure you can. But not including Bray Wyatt. Roman Reigns, Baron Corbin, maybe Dolph Ziggler. Really? Kofi Kingston. Oh, no, he's a tag team champion, isn't he? Because Xavier Woods is out. Daniel Bryan. Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman. I see time. Yeah, but they've done that before. Daniel Bryan. Um, Cesaro. Cesaro. Shinsuke. Shinsuke. The Liars. Yeah, shit loads, mate. Fair enough. Credible contenders, I meant. <laughs> I think they're all cred- mostly credible contenders. There's only one, there may be two. Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan. I mean, Baron Corbin's on a roll. At WrestleMania, you want Baron Corbin fighting for the Universal title. I didn't say I wanted <laughs> Against Goldberg. <laughs> and to be fair, the, the cage match with Roman Reigns tomorrow is meant to be their last match. Yeah. So if they're in the boat, the Elimination Chamber match two weeks later, <laughs> kind of shit all over. So it'd be exactly the day after tomorrow. I thought it was Thursday. Was oh, it f- no, yeah, it's Thursday, isn't it? Fuck. Yeah. Sorry. Dumbass. <laughs> what, what do you think SmackDown was going to be like on Friday? Um, don't know. Half the roster don't know, but last time they did it. Well, supposedly last time after they got they had their travel issues, the, the talent were promised that um, WWE would look into alternative charters for mm. them to go out and come back. And um, instead of the airline they were originally went out with, um, and when they went out the other day, they're on the same airline they went out with last time. So <laughs> <laughs> they obviously didn't look too far into that. <laughs> um, right, we need to move on to the next match type. We haven't got too long because I know that Matt's Let's got to go to bed more. in a minute. We'll do one more, so it'll be four in this one, and then we'll, we'll go through six next week. Um, so we've got... I'll let I'll let you two decide between Last Man Standing and I Quit. Go I Quit. Yeah, we'll go I Quit. We'll go I Quit, because I can't remember that many. <laughs> um, so, I Quit. First match in WWE first I quit match in WWE was Bret Hart versus Bob Backlund at WrestleMania 11. Yeah. Which I think is lost on a lot of people. With Roddy Piper as a special guest referee. Yeah, it was wasn't great to watch if I'm honest. It was a... Um... Didn't it come off the back of the Survivor Series, didn't it? Yeah, which um, we'll probably cover in, in, in the next episode to be fair. Um what exactly that match was because there's a little bit of confusion actually as to what that match stipulation that match was but yeah off the back of the Survivor Series match which um, to be honest wasn't a brilliant match but it was a really shocking moment I mean Bob Backlund won the WWE Championship or WWE like in Championship his 40s. in 1994 uh, by you know beating Bret Hart at Survivor Series you know it's um, very strange a storyline that they were in at the time. This sort of was born out the back of that, but obviously, you know, you're talking five months on. Um, this is sort of Brett's retribution. 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 
Um, and, you know, it was WrestleMania 11, which in general was pretty shit. Yeah, I barely remember. So it's hey! <laughs> Batman, went... Big Lebowski, Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, I know, man. Uh, it style. On the, uh, yeah, pretty much along the theme. I mean, it wasn't a terrible match, but it was I kind mean... of the best of a bad box. I think I only watched this match once when I was going through all the pay-per-views I'm on the network. Almost certain I've not even watched WrestleMania 11 back. <laughs> um, quick I, had the, I had the tape. Yeah, I mean, I did have the tape. I probably watched it a million times, but still. Well, uh, we'll I don't remember this match others. very much. That's, what, that's all I will say. One of the matches I don't remember was the next one, which came three and a half years later. Stone Cold Steve Austin defeated Ken Shamrock on Raw. He did, yeah. Fucking don't remember that. Apparently, Austin used the unconscious Shamrock's hands to signal a tap out to submission. Yeah, he did. This was part of, you know, when Shamrock was part of McMahon's corporation. Yeah. I just literally have no recollection of that. One that I do have recollection of is the next one. I think everybody remembers this one. Except for maybe Mankind. <laughs> yeah. Um The Rock defeating Mankind for the WWF Championship at the Royal Rumble 1999. While we're in peak heel rock mode part of the corporation and it's like street gear it's just it's going to be remembered for one thing it's it's okay daddy's just got a boo-boo yeah you've got a fucking massive gash out of the fucking side of your head yeah let's make 30 for you yeah i mean i think he kind of made a meal of it i mean he only got hit (laughs) with a chair about 14 times (laughs) in the head as Um, hard as the rock could i mean for a really good and i Probably most people who listen to this have seen it, but for a really good insight into the reaction to this match, uh, Beyond the Mat is worth a watch. Speaking of Beyond the Mat, did he review watch the video I sent you the other day of a deleted scene from Beyond the Mat? No. With um, Sorry. <laughs> Nick Foley backstage um, and Dan debuting it, the Dude time. Love character. Mm. It's only about 10 minutes. The only whole video is about minutes. 15, 16, but it's only about 10 minutes. Watch it before bed. It's just... It's, Nothing like groundbreaking, which is really interesting to see how the backstage bit works and the interaction that um, that Mick Foley has with Vince Russo and stuff. And mm. Vince Russo standing in the crowd to watch the debut happen, which just I'm sure would never happen these days. Mm. Um, it's just really cool, and you should you should watch it. Fine, will do. Um, note should note that Mankind didn't actually say I quit in this match, but it was a recording of him saying it during a previous promo. Yeah, um, but. They still gave it to The Rock anyway, which I think is probably the best thing for Mick Foley's brain. Yeah. Crazy. I'm going to watch um, Beyond the Map back. It's just strange. Oh, it about five years ago, I think, so I'm going to watch it again. It was very strange at the time um, <laughs> that not much was made of the fact that that, that was played over the PA, like, yeah. that recording. I think Mankind mentioned it on Raw the next night and was just like, I didn't quit, and then that was kind of it. Like, JR didn't go, hang on, that wasn't... That didn't sound right at the time. It was just like, oh, he said it. Well, the next night, which I also don't recall, The Rock had another I Quit match against Triple H for the title. Yeah. Don't remember that. I think Triple H came out and was basically Defend like... Him, yeah. Yeah, you, it probably Bastard. totally wasn't cleared. I think that was probably what, the, <laughs> what yeah. the point was. If they had that back then. Um, one of probably the best I Quit matches has ever been was Vince McMahon versus Stephanie McMahon. I was just McMahon. about to say that. That was the next one. It, they then didn't have one for four, four and a half years. Yeah. But again, Stephanie didn't say the words I Quit, but this time Linda threw in the towel. Fucking Linda, man. But Mr. McMahon had an I Quit match with his own <laughs> literal daughter. Yeah, I think like, this, this is where like you should just 
take it with a pinch of salt for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. It was... Um, Who's had to leave Who's their had position? Who's to leave their position? Vince is chairman or Stephanie is general manager of SmackDown. Needless to say, Vince wasn't leaving his position. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, he has died before. Uh, other I Quit matches. We've had John Cena and JBL where John Cena got bloodied the fuck up. Well, John Cena's been in a lot of I Quit matches. Yeah, he, was, he had a stretch of them against Randy Orton and Batista and even The Miz. And the Miz, yeah. He won all of them. Obviously. He also defeated Rusev in 2015 as part of their good US title feud. So, And, and again, that was one where Rusev didn't say I quit, if I remember correctly. I Lana. Lana basically said, he's that's enough. <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm sure these days she wouldn't be able to put that coherent of a sentence together because mostly most of what she says doesn't make any fucking it's sense. It's just shouting. That's all she does. Um, and then the most shouting. recent two... Have been both taking place on two oh five live in twenty seventeen. Yeah, which I find very strange. Jack Gallagher and Aria Davari in an I forfeit match. I and forfeit. Cedric Alexander versus Noam Dar. So we haven't had one. That was in a really good match. Just under three years. You know what? I think it's time for a comeback. I think they should bring it back. The only issue is obviously it's a violent kind of match that you don't really get these days. Yeah. And regardless of what happens, what the outcome is there'll be a portion of the internet who moan that someone's been buried by saying the, by saying I quit. Yeah. Even if it's the most dastardly of heels. Yeah. They say I quit and oh, they buried him. Well, it's got to be Baron Corbin then. They'd never say that in AEW or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I think it should make a comeback but it has to be right. Like, I think... What was that, Ali? I didn't say anything. <laughs> Are you sure? I just, I like a, little, a little murmur of something. And usually it's me. <laughs> no, I didn't hear anything. I think, as we touched on a few a few weeks ago, when we were talking about NXT, I think this is the kind of match that NXT could get, right? Yeah, for sure. Champa Gargano. Yeah. I quit. Book it, brother. Fuck AEW. Was that that? Didn't, didn't spare word. No, four Um and I guess on on that note, the fuck AEW. On that note, bombshell. Um we'll park this one for now. Park it. We'll pick up part two next week, providing we're all about. You never know these days. <laughs> I mean I'll be here, I'll be a year older. Oh yeah, you will. I believe I'm about. I'm pretty sure I'll be the same age. Um <laughs> So yeah, we'll, we'll pick up next week with some other, the, the remaining of the top 10 of our favourite gimmick matches um, of our time. Um, some highlights to look out for. Last man standing. We'll get a mention. Bra and panties. <laughs> Evening gown. Uh, Playboy bunny pillow fight. I can't say bra and panties without sounding weird. I, I can't say the word panties. panties. I hate the word panties. Especially if you say a T. Yeah. Panties. Panties. In a British accent. Um, yeah, bikini contests. Punjabi prison. Yeah, all the great ones. And of course, oh, as we've all been waiting for, Judy Bagwell on a forklift. <laughs> on a pole, was it? It's on a forklift. Oh, okay. Bagwell, yeah. How the fuck are you getting her on a pole? <laughs> it was called Judy Bagwell on a pole. I think it was. Uh, pink it was, slip, yeah. Pink slip on a pole. Pink slip on a pole. Um, and everyone's favourite, Kennel from Hell. With so, yeah. dog piss on the floor. All of that to look forward to next week in the next instalment of the People's Wrestling Podcast. 
Thank you for listening. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, but we don't use Instagram. So you can find us on Twitter at the underscore PWP. Feel free to interact with us. Tell us some of your favourite gimmick matches, and um, we'll tell you why you're wrong. Hey. No, just kidding. <laughs> hey. Um, hey. So, yes, thank you for listening, and we will see you for part two next week.